The Young Jerks are sponsored by UFCW 1445, a labor union representing cannabis employees in Massachusetts. If you are a cannabis employee worried about your health and safety and are not being heard at work, UFCW local 1445.org or call them at 1-800-439-1445. Live, Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. It's been a little while. Back with our first live show in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, just just wanted to, I don't even know where I want to start today because there's a lot of news I could get to since we've been gone for a few weeks. But um, I guess we'll just go right to the guest because the guest is here. I haven't even talked to him really yet at all. Uh, he's running for Massachusetts State Rep. Uh, his first name is Nick. I don't know, want to even butcher his last name. I should have asked him a second ago how to pronounce it. How do we pronounce your last name, Nick? Giannone. Giannone. Yep. Gio oh, this is going to be a tough one for me today. I'm tongue-tied already. Giannone. Yep, that's that's good enough. I'm not sure if that's proper myself, but uh, that's how, uh, how I learned to pronounce it. So Say it again for me, so I want because I know I got it wrong again. Giannone. Giannone. Mm -hmm. Okay, Nick Giannone, or Nick G. <laughs> Make it easy for me. But you're running for Massachusetts State Rep, uh, Workers' Party, 4th Norfolk District. Why are you running for Massachusetts State Rep? Tell us about well, yourself, too. Um, well, I grew up in Weymouth. Um, my family's uh, been here on one side since, uh, since it was uh, settled, and, you know, they... Uh, weren't very nice people, kind of land thieves. Um, but uh, I come from a union background. Uh, I've been a union boilermaker for over 20 years. I've considered myself a communist a little longer than that. Um, I've been around various left groups um, in the Boston area. And um, a lot of us who don't live right in the city have, um, you know, for years kind of been complaining that a lot of left politics are, are Boston and Cambridge centric and the working class suburbs are ignored. So a few of us earlier this year put together a small group, uh, the Workers' Party in Massachusetts. One of our tasks is to uh, create a uh, political designation, which in Massachusetts is the, the first step to creating a political party. And um, to promote the idea of independent working class politics, we uh, had a couple of our members take out papers to run for state rep. Uh, we had another member down in Plymouth who started gathering signatures, but when uh, all the COVID stuff broke out, that kind of uh, broke our momentum. Uh, he wasn't able to meet the threshold, but I managed to get on. So we're trying to uh, run people on a revolutionary socialist program and, um, you know, really, really attract some leftists to you know, coalesce in working class areas outside cities and, um, you know, start building on this um, popularization of socialism that's that kind of spread across the country in the past few years. Now, we, we have all sorts of listeners here on this show, um, some conservatives, probably even some QAnons that I make fun of. Um, <laughs> we, we have all types that listen, mainstream people, uh, politicians, a lot of local politicians, Democrats. What would, when you when you say the word revolutionary socialism, what do you mean? What does that mean? Because I think it scares people away without them knowing what you actually mean. Um, what that means for us is uh, we believe that um, 
the United States was founded by slave owners, um, built on stolen land. Um, the economy was mainly built with the labor of stolen people. Um, the U.S. Constitution is a slave owner's document, and capitalism fundamentally uh, will always be against the interests of the working class. So while we run candidates and participate in the electoral system, we believe that um, real change in building socialism will, will take ultimately um, a revolution in the U.S., an overthrow of the current system, and uh, workers coming together to build something new from the ground up. So now, that it may definitely frighten some people, but um, uh, capitalists out there, they deserve to be frightened. I'm somebody who uh, straddles like all worlds, like, you know, in terms of I was a financial guy, financial advisor for over 10 years. Um, I spent all my last two days trading stocks. Um, but, you know, a lot of what I see in socialism, I actually like. And I'm more about like ideas and causes and issues more than big, you know, policies or movements or groups so much lately. So I don't really, uh, you know, tend to get into dogma, but, you know, I just want to kind of drill down on some of these issues because I think it's a, a good discussion to have uh, someone that, you know, seems to know what they're talking about in relation to socialism, you're running for office. Um, capitalism, when you say you don't like capitalism, does that mean no small business or is that just no large publicly shared, you know, publicly traded shares that make billionaires? Like what, what does that actually mean? I mean, mainly it concerns what socialists call the commanding heights of the economy. Um, major means of production, um, things that people need, uh, necessities of life, uh, healthcare. Uh, there, there's, there's no reason for um, a profit-driven healthcare system. Um, most food production um, could, could be, um, profit could be eliminated from the equation. Um, People's barber shops should probably not be nationalized and state run. What about what about my dog walking or dog care business? Yeah, or um, like barber shops is a good one. I mean, but mainly what it comes down to is is exploitation of other people's labor to extract surplus value. So if you're out there walking dogs, you're not really um, a taskmaster with you know a bunch of wage slaves that you're exploiting. No. You know, I could be. I could. I could make more know, money doing it that way. But actually. We, we make good money by actually doing ourselves, actually, but yeah. I mean, if you go out and you're, um, you know, striking a deal, doing some work and getting the full product of your labor, then, you know, that's, that's not really the issue that, that socialists should be focusing on. You know, we're mainly focusing on the, the big aspects of the economy and um, necessities people need and um, things that just really don't need um, a, a capitalist in, involved. Um, you know, Walmart and Amazon have created a great distribution system. Um, you know, they can figure out what people need, you know, on demand, like delivery and production. And um, why not use that to plan an economy instead of, um, you know, allowing like Jeff Bezos to become a dragon sitting on a hoard of gold. So you're running for office. What, what are some of the uh, locally, because, uh, you know, a lot of what, what we're kind of discussing is kind of the big macro It's you know, we're looking at things on a national or international level. What, what is this campaign about locally? What are you running on? What are the issues? Well, one, one issue that um, it's a major national issue, but it also has a very serious local angle is um, our current state rep, the incumbent James Murphy, 
who's been in office about 20 years. Um, back in 2015, when there was a highway blockade by supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement, James Murphy was caught in traffic. And rather than using the time to reflect upon um, the history of racism in the US and how he could use his position to, to solve that problem, he drafted a uh, <clears throat> piece of repressive legislation that was, um, he wanted to make it a felony to block traffic while protesting. Um, so that um, was a motivator in um, you know, me running in, in this district. Um, he's also, when we voted to decriminalize marijuana, was that in, was that in 2007? Is that that? Uh, 2008, but that's when we started, 2007, yep. 2008 is when to, we voted on it. He tried to uh, put in legislation after that um, to sort of recriminalize it. It was sort of like a backdoor route. Um, he's just a very um, unreachable, unaccountable. He doesn't really, he doesn't even have a Facebook page. He has no district office. Um, and, you know, the working people of this town deserve a, uh, you know, representative um, that can actually re relate to them, someone who works for a living and, you know, doesn't um, sell used cars and have a 20-year uh, um, career as an unaccountable politician. To, to put uh, a recrim bill out after decrim in, in 2008, after we voted 65% mm -hmm. said we wanted to stop arresting people for cannabis, Scott Brown also did the same thing, Senator Scott Brown. He was then a state senator. It's, it's pretty awful. Like that pretty much shows you just don't care about voters. I mean, that, that was like a, a landslide two to one victory. It was 65, 35, a 30 point win. That's a mandate if there ever was one. Um, so, so this James Murphy, is he a Democrat? I'm assuming, or is he, he Republican? He is, he is a Democrat. Um, he's, uh, definitely on the right wing of the democratic party, which is a significant portion of, uh, of the Democratic Party. I mean, Massachusetts is a is a one-party state, regardless of, you know, Charlie Baker. Um, the Democrats have a super majority. And, you know, a lot of people around the country have illusions that, you know, Democrats are really liberal saviors. And if they could ever, you know, take over the whole country, you know, everything would be better. And, you know, Massachusetts shows that um, the Democrats ain't so great when they're in charge. Uh, well, especially, you know, what I find in Massachusetts too, is there's different types of Democrats. You know, yes. and like you kind of mentioned it, like certain parts of the state, Cambridge, Somerville, Boston are very activist. The Democrats there are different than what you find in the suburbs and the, the more, uh, you know, places outside the 128 loop even, or, you know, outside, you know, certain areas of Massachusetts are like red states. And uh, a lot of the Democrats are actually Republicans. They just can't run as it, they run as Democrats because that's the only way they can win. Exactly. And they're conservative Democrats. But in this race, I'm assuming there's a Republican running as well. Is, is there, is it a three person race? Yes, uh, Paul Rotundo, he's a, um, his bio, he talks about being a former CEO, also a business owner, and um, he's known around town as having a collection of antique cars, which is uh, very relatable um, to someone who drives an old Ford Ranger. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, he's, um, he seems to be a, um, a, a fiscal conservative. Um, a lot of his, his talk is about tax cuts. Um, you know, at least he doesn't seem to be like uh, on the on the Trump bandwagon so much. Uh, he doesn't seem to be pushing that angle. Um, seems to be more of a, a typical Massachusetts low tax Republican.
you know, Charlie Baker or, or Ron Paul, Republican. Um, so in this three-party race, you know, it's always a concern for me. You know, in, in this race, for me, it'd probably be pretty easy to just check the box for you because I know you're probably more aligned with my values. But at the same time, I'd be like, do I really want to see a Republican win if, if the vote gets split? Is that ever a concern for you running in a three-way race like this? That you um, could be the Ralph Nader spoiler. I, I it doesn't mean, I, make a difference. doesn't even make a difference, too. In Massachusetts, I would argue that it really doesn't make a difference. I mean, um, our state senator is a Republican, and, you know, um, the conservatives around town all have um, James Murphy signs and Patrick O'Connor signs. There's like a, a, a centrist kind of bipartisanship of um, the conservatives around town, which also has a big overlap with uh, the thin blue line flags around town. Um, I think what's what's of primary importance for the working class is having our own political representation. And if you know that means that uh, a Democrat loses and they still have a super majority in the state legislature, that doesn't really, um, I don't think that's really gonna harm anyone. Um, considering most of the party acts like Republicans anyway, it's not, uh, it's not too significant of a factor. The, the real danger is people thinking that the Democrats are their saviors, which is uh, a big problem out there right now. Let me ask you another question too, politically. Um, you know, I wanna ask you a lot more about the issues too. Again, we're, for anyone who's just tuning in, we're speaking to Nick Giannone. He's running for Massachusetts State Rep. Uh, Workers Party is the uh, political party he's running with, and it's in the 4th Norfolk. What cities and towns? That's uh, most of Weymouth and a little sliver of Hingham, which okay. uh, most of Hingham isn't my demographic, but it's the little working class spot that touches Weymouth. They must have uh, um, decided to shun them and give them to us. All right. So I'm, I'm assuming that's uh, definitely a little more conservative, a little more probably police. A lot of Boston police probably live there. <laughs> um, in, uh, in Weymouth? Yeah. Or, um, there's, a, there's a fair number. Um, of just a, local police, you know. There's a Boston cop with a Trump sticker around the corner from my I'm house. I'm sure. There you go. Uh, a few state police cars around. There you go. So that's, but, the, that's the area. But I want to, because... You know, in some past political campaigns, there's a state rep named Mike Conley, who's a Democrat locally mm -hmm. in Cambridge, and he ran independent uh, for state rep and didn't win. And then the next time around, he ran as a Democrat in the primary as the more liberal Democrat against the incumbent Democrat. And he won that primary. And now he's the state rep. Um, do you guys consider or is it even possible that if this doesn't work? That you might come back and, and take your your coalition, your party, and, and kind of try to see if you can win within the Democratic primary, or is that just not feasible in this district? No, we um we reject um, participation in capitalist parties outright. You know, we think socialists trying to take over the Democratic Party and use it um, as a vehicle of liberation is um, as impossible as trying to take over the Republican Party for the same purposes. Um, James Murphy did face a, uh, a more pro progressive challenger in the um, primary this year. She had an all right showing for not having, um, you know, a very high budget campaign. But, uh, you know, he's, um, he's got a huge bankroll and, uh, you know, m money to burn. Um, it's, uh, I'll, I'll be realistic about my chances and, you know, um, it's, 
unlikely I will I will unseat him. But this is really our um, our first time, you know, getting out there and learning all the ins and outs of running a campaign. And what we want to do next time, instead of jumping into the Democratic Party, is put out a um, a, a, a group of other Workers' Party candidates. And we also want to start our own political action committee so that we can raise money and give people um, resources right off the bat to start running their campaigns. Because it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work and, you know, even um, most working class people who would want to get into politics don't have the, the um, few hundreds or thousands of dollars it would take to, you know, self-fund a campaign or even know how to do the fundraising. So getting people going is going to be our plan after this election, spending the next couple of years recruiting and uh, fundraising. Uh, you said you're in a union. Which union are you in? Uh, I am in Boilermakers Local 29. And most people don't know what we are. We're a very small, very uh, specific niche um, building trades union. We mostly do repairs and um, power plants and um, other heavy industry that uses um, high pressure steam or um, tanks and like process vessels and stuff. Very cool. So, mostly welding is what I do. Nice. Yeah, I, that's a good union uh, position to have, uh, being a welder. It's safety first. There was yes, a fire indeed. in uh, Boston related to, uh, I, I believe, an unlicensed. I don't think he was a union welder. And it actually killed two firefighters. And uh, one of them was a friend of mine. I that was over him. in the um, Boston. Over by the Charles River. They, um, they right. did a fire watch. That's right. That's, um, that's something we are very serious about on the job all the time is fire watch and uh, cool down time. So that, that was terrible. It was horrible. I uh, went to school with one of the firefighters in college. He's a good uh, friend of mine. And well, yeah, I'm not going to say like real good because that's kind of, you know, I, I just liked him. You know, he's one of the guys that we'd play wiffle ball with. We'd hang out on the weekends. But, I, you know, it, was, it wasn't like the best friend. It wasn't someone that I like talked to after college but when i read about it in the newspaper and i saw i was like oh my god eddie so uh you know safety first that's why certain professions definitely should be unionized we're actually sponsored by a union the show is by ufcw 1445 i love the work that they're doing uh for essential workers healthcare workers and cannabis workers people mm -hmm. think cannabis is a joke but uh in terms of the jobs there is a lot of health and safety issues and a lot of the big employers definitely do need to be unionized. So uh, I, I'm all about unions, uh, especially for certain professions and industries. Uh, and welding seems like one of them, especially when you're when you're working jobs in the city and around where people live and uh, putting public safety at risk. Nick, you're running for Massachusetts State Rep. What are some of the other issues that you're hearing about from people that people care about in your district? Um, a lot of the youth in the town are very concerned about um, the, the police, um, the police worship in this town. Um, we had a situation a couple of years ago where um, a police officer was killed in an altercation. And you know, because of that, the um, police kind of have license to, to just do whatever they want in this town. Um, there's a lot of complaints about un, un checked racism within the, the department, uh, especially as the town becomes less white. Uh, Weymouth was a white flight community for a long time. And uh, as people um, are getting gentrified out of the city, it's becoming more of a diverse working class town. 
Um, people here, um, we're, we're still pretty heavily affected by the, uh, the opioid epidemic. Weymouth for years was at the top of the, uh, the, the um, overdose list. So uh, we could still use like um, real resources here um, to get people into rehab and to like um, give people some sort of options for um, you know meaningful non-exploitative work after that. Um, and uh, we have uh, the compressor station. I'm actually looking to the left. It's uh, right out my window. Um, I live in the incineration zone and that's about to go online. There's been a big fight here to try to shut that down. And you know, that's part of the larger environmental movement. So uh, um, for a little town, we got, a, we got some, some big issues going on here. That gas thing is crazy. I can't imagine living next to that. That's gotta be the uh, talk of the town. Yeah, and it's been, uh, they've been doing the blowdowns the past couple of days. So there's been some uh, some jarring noises and weird things coming out of smokestacks over there. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long battle. It looks like it's about to go live, but um, the, the, the fight against fracked gas and fossil fuels continues. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a big issue we're all up against and really need to step up the fight. And so we're talking about a big gas pipeline thing. I don't know, the compressor station that they have and they're setting up in Weymouth for gas that's going to go to not Massachusetts, but like, you know, Canada or something. It's, mm -hmm. it's all for corporate profit. They gave a lot of money to Charlie Baker. It's not safe. We all know it's not safe. And uh, it's right next to your, your, you know, Weymouth, where a lot of people live, where people live right next to this Um and no one wants it except for the, the money. I mean, this is a perfect situation where it's money against people in Weymouth. And we're talking about the gas compressor station. And, and, and most people don't know anything about it. Like outside of Weymouth, outside of that area, most people in Boston are just clueless to it. And, you know, this is something that actually could affect a greater area too. I mean, this is uh, not just even a Weymouth issue either. Uh, we're speaking to Nick G. Giannone, no, nope, I'm going to say it in, Say your last name for me again, Nick. Giannone. Giannone. <laughs> Nick Giannone from Massachusetts State Rep. I, I'm rusty. I haven't, I'm rusty producing the show. I'm rusty speaking. I haven't done a show in a while. I've been on vacation. Not really. I've been working a lot, making mad money and just busy doing other things for once in my life. And uh, it's been good. And I'm glad to be back. And we have more, more shows coming up, I guarantee for you, upcoming. Um, again, we're, we're speaking to a Massachusetts uh, candidate for state rep. He's in the Workers' Party in the 4th Norfolk District. Uh, you, are you going to be on the ballot? You, you are the gathered the signatures, so you're going to be on the ballot uh, yes. for the November election, right? Yes. Awesome. So people can vote for you uh, in November when they vote for president uh, for Massachusetts state rep in Weymouth, all of Weymouth. Uh, there's a couple of precincts in Weymouth that aren't in the district, okay. and um, there's one precinct in Hingham that is in, Hingham, yeah. in the district. So uh, most of Weymouth and a small part of Hingham, you can look it up, and uh, if you're in the 4th Norfolk, you can definitely vote. You know, if you have James Murphy right now, you know who uh, is running against him. Nick is one of the people running against him for Massachusetts State Rep. 
And my opinion, a lot of times these Democrats do need to be challenged over and over again. I don't care if it's third party, workers party, Green Party, Republican Party, if they actually have someone sane for once, usually they don't. Usually it's some crazy person or a business person that's just too business. They don't care about the people. Um, but if there was someone good, I'm, I'm going to always take a look at them and support it because a lot of times, yeah, these Democrats are the ones that support DeLeo up at the state house that ruined our marijuana, our cannabis law over and over again. They ruined the medical program. They've ruined the legal camp, the, the legal program. Recently, the activists in the community and some of the Cannabis Control Commission have uh, started, uh, you know, listening to the people and, and things are starting to get better in some respects. But the whole thing was botched from the beginning because of the governor and the Speaker of the House. They thought that they were smarter than what was voted in and they felt like they could rewrite it and make it more restrictive, which made it more expensive for patients, which made it more expensive for applicants, which made it uh, only about rich people in the industry and not letting uh, the traditional market move legal, you know, it's not what we wanted. It's not locals, it's out of state, big money coming in. And this happens in so many industries and so many instances in this state of Massachusetts. And it's because of the Speaker of the House. It's because of uh, the people that support them, which are a lot of times corporate or main, you know, mainstream, mainstay Democrats that just vote whatever the party leader tells them to vote whatever the money tells them to vote, whatever the interest tells them to vote. Uh, and, and things like police reform are important. I mean, I'm uh, all about police reform, especially good police reform. Uh, one of the things that I see, you know, we hear about defund the police. We hear a, a lot about the police issue of police accountability. I would like to see more police boards, you know, local boards where you know every city and town has a local citizen review panel of the police so that they can hear complaints mm -hmm. and they have some power to actually take action against bad officers number one and things get more transparent and it's not just about the police chief protecting his force you know it's it's about actually ensuring that the police force is the best in this local city and town and that comes from the citizens i feel like uh, also i'd like to see that they be, they're, they're forced. Like there's, there's, you know, I'm, I'm pro-union. Like I said, you know, UFCW 1445 is supporting us. You mentioned it earlier. A lot of the police unions, they're the problem. They're protecting bad police over and over again so often. And so aren't the supervisors. So aren't the police chiefs. You see this over and over again. Uh, you know, if, if we look at uh, George Floyd, the person who sat on him, look at his record. He had 14 something complaints. He got, he had complaints, he had shootings, he had this, he, every type of awful complaint you can have against you, this guy had it and then some, and every single time nothing happened to him. And so what I would like to see is that we go through, you know, every city in town and every state police and every, every single police, you know, jurisdiction should compile a list and say, who are the worst 10 people? Who are the worst, who are the 10% that are the problem? Because they're there, they're they're there right now. They have 14, 15 incidents against them, and nothing happens to them because they're protected by unions. They're protected by politics. They're protected by the fear of a lawsuit. So how do how how do we fix that issue? And and why isn't anyone actually talking about that? About removing the bad apples, 
because they're there and we know who they are. If, if you look at, if we have access to those records, we would know who they are. Well, we definitely have to get rid of what are the, the clearly out of line cops immediately. Uh, civilian review boards, um, in theory, if elected and with um, actual teeth like subpoena power and the power, uh, power to fire, um, that could potentially be a solution. But a lot of, um, a lot of the problems with the police um, aren't, it, it's not really a problem of individual cops. There's a systemic problem of what police, um, what their function is in society, um, especially in capitalist society. Um, modern policing emerged from slave catchers and um, strike breakers. Uh, most state police units um, in New Jersey, um, I believe Massachusetts, they were originally formed as um, kind of a more loyal state militia to break strikes. Um, police generally protect property. Um, you know, you mentioned police unions. Um, I don't believe police deserve to have unions. I don't. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm glad you yeah. said that. I think that's another yeah. thing. We should outlaw police unions. That should be the only industry that cannot be unionized. Public police. If you're, you're getting taxpayer money from a police force, you should not be unionized. I agree they, 100%. They just seem to function as terrorist organizations. I know right. um, local journalist Chris Farone did some great work a few years back talking about the uh, Boston Police Patrolman's Union. That's right, BPAA. Um, and, and and their president just got arrested. Yeah. He's up on charges child for child molesting several children. Yeah, so they were covering up that too. Absolutely disgusting. Um, so we, we really need to eliminate some of the, some of the underlying conditions um, that cause police to exist in the first place. A lot of that is the inequality caused by capitalism. And, you know, the fact that if you look at, you know, any picket line where workers are on strike, the police are always there to protect the bosses. The workers get out of line, they'll crack heads, but you never see a cop arresting an abusive boss, you know, like, yeah. You go to work and a boss shorts you a couple hours, you know, the cop don't arrest him for stealing, you know, it's their, their job is, um, is to crack heads for the system. You can really see that with a lot of these protests happening now against police brutality, where people are just asking for an end to police brutality and the responses increase police brutality. And I don't think the system wants to push reforms because with more austerity coming, more attacks on the working class, more rollbacks of things like social security and safety net, um, they're gonna need their police to, to you know, protect their privilege. And, uh, you know, it's kind of scary that, uh, you know, they're just kind of turning directly into a private army for the rich. Let me ask you another question. You mentioned earlier, you didn't feel like the Democratic Party was, you know, salvageable, that you would ever, support them. What do you, what do you think about someone like Bernie Sanders or AO, you know, AOC? Cause they're, they're saying a lot of the same stuff you are and they did have some, they, they have had some success and I'm not going to say it's been, you know, total takeover, but you can definitely note things that they have supported getting through or at least being heard, you know, being kind of more mainstream within the party. Well, Bernie, on one hand, um, what most people I think really admire about Bernie is that he built a career as an independent socialist. And it was only when he ran for president that he entered the Democratic Party. 
I think if, if Bernie had been a Democrat um, his whole career, he, he may not have had the credibility he had when he launched his presidential race. Um, AOC, um, some of these young, more, more progressive Democrats definitely have some good policies. There's um, this common ground that um, more radical socialists like myself can, can work with them on, but um, fundamentally they believe in that this system can be reformed and they belong to a party that ultimately is, is controlled by capitalists. Um, the, the Democratic Party will never allow um, any, any programmatic aspect that challenges capitalism. So, you know, while there's, you know, some good reforms that could come from some of these progressives, you know, there's still uh, Joe Manchins and some serious um, right-wingers in, in the Democratic Party. You know, you said uh, something earlier about, uh, you know, if your employer cheats you on some money, they're not going to arrest him. Well, you know, when I was probably at my worst, like financially, economically, I was working a job as a contractor and getting ripped off. And I was kind of like left third party guy. And, you know, one of the things that happened to me, and it just kind of opened my eyes, is like, you know, Obama, his Justice Department, not Justice Department, his Department of Labor came into that employer. One of these large employers, like, you know, not Uber, it wasn't Lyft, but it was a company like that locally. Uh, and made them pay. You know, we, I actually talked, you know, I was one of the people that raised their hand when they said there's the Department of Labor is here. They want to interview you, interview some of you guys. Do any of you want to talk to them? And I was like, yes. And I talked to her for like, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. And uh, three months later, we all had a nice check in our hands. And a lot of those folks were, you know, economically disadvantaged. So I, I, I just, sometimes I wonder, you know, does it go too far? Like, cause when you kind of say like no against the Democrats, when there are tangible differences between Republican and Democrats, how do you square that? I mean, there's tangible differences um, on ultimately how they, they plan on continuing a system that um, exploits the working class. And um, one thing both um, Democrats and Republicans agree on is that um, the economy is more important than, than climate change. Um, neither of them have a, have a plan for that because they, they won't accept a, a socialist planned economy. Um, for, for principled socialists who want to move beyond capitalism, it's, it's impossible for us to reconcile our views with a capitalist party, whether it's the Democrats or Republicans. Having a great conversation with Nick. Uh, he's running for Massachusetts state rep. He's with the Workers' Party in the fourth Norfolk. Uh, he's running uh, against an incumbent who's been there for, what, 20 years, a Democrat. He's uh, uh, with the Workers' Party. There's also a Republican. It's a th at least a three-way race, right? Is that it? Three, three people running? Three-way race. Three-way race. Uh, he'll be on the ballot in November. Nick Giannone. Say it right this time? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Ooh, big, big. Wow, I'm, I'm doing big things tonight. <laughs> uh, we're the Young Jerks. We're here every... No, you know what? I, I used to say every Saturday forever when I have a break. I almost went back to that. No, we're here wherever, whenever we feel like it now. That's the new COVID-19 schedule. Mm -hmm. We do it from home. We do it whenever we, whenever we decide to get a, you know, a family break and go down to the basement and record. 
we're the Young Jerks, and my name is Mike Crawford, and we have a guest here who's running for Massachusetts State Rep. I want to ask you some other questions, like a speed round on different issues. Um, cannabis. Right now, uh, there's you know, a big push for equity in cannabis, uh, even like a social equity fund that is funded uh, at the state level to help people uh, get into the cannabis industry who aren't big cannabis. Would you support something like that? Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, we should definitely keep it out of the hands of big business um, and people who um, were disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. Um, a lot of times the criminal record excludes them um, from participating in the industry, you know, anything like that should be uh, expunged from people's records and, you know, people who um, have been more screwed by the system should definitely get a leg up and um, taken advantage of, of legalization. Let's talk about other drugs. Uh, would you go further and just end like all drug offenses, drug possession, uh, or even just uh, with, with, with the new thing is hallucinogenics. People want to go with medical hallucinogenics or even just decrim on, you know, magic mushrooms. Where, where do you stand on those other drugs? Portugal um, has a great system. They decriminalized everything. They offer people um, safe injection sites. Um, you're not going to end up ODing on fentanyl because you can get your hands on like something that's like, been inspected, you know, something medical grade. Um, the war on drugs is a failure. Uh, it's an excuse to basically declare war on people. Um, it's led to mass incarceration. It's led to many people just having, getting roped into the system for years. But when I was 19 years old, I got caught with two joints, which led to probation, which I got arrested on that probation and blah, blah, blah. I ended up doing time in, in Dedham that ultimately, because I got caught with two joints, you know, other people had way worse experiences than that. Um, and, you know, the, the whole heroin's illegal. Um, that didn't stop hundreds of people in my town from, from dying. You know, it's, it's a complete failure. We need to come up with a completely different approach that deals with it as a, a medical issue and a, a so general social health uh, issue rather than turning cops on people with addictions. Awesome. Uh, what do you think about uh, like raising the minimum wage? Um, I am in favor of uh, a living wage paid to inflation. Um, the, the minimum wage has fallen way behind. Uh, originally, I, my understanding is when the, it was first created, you could support a family off it. Um, even the, the $15 an hour minimum wage, which people started fighting for a decade ago, is inadequate in most places in the country. Um, we need, everyone who works should be able to um, afford a, a decent standard of living is just a, a basic um, standard of any society. Um, at some point we have to go beyond um, exploitation and you know working for wages, but that's you know, a, a post-capitalist question, but under capitalism, we need to fight for um, people to get as close to the full value of their labor as possible. What about this uh, eviction issue right now? There's been a stay on evictions in Massachusetts. Looks like it's gonna be lifted and a bunch of people are gonna lose their uh, apartments. What, 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 what do we do? What's the solution? Uh, 
we've been talking about that in the workers' party, as you know, we know election season is winding down, and we're not just focused on electoral politics. All of us have an activist background. Um, we had some local um, foreclosures that were resisted in Weymouth back following the 2008 collapse. We worked with our City Life Feed Arabana, who have um, a great track record in Boston of organizing tenants and fighting foreclosures. There's um, there's legislative fixes that people should push and fight for. People should push um, local ordinances that make it burdensome for banks to foreclose on people. But ultimately, um, mass movements and people in the streets is the angle we'd push for. Um, organizing tenants unions where where that can happen and physically like resisting blockades. If, if they're going to start evicting people as cold weather comes, that's that's physically harming our neighbors, and we need to you know come together to. Um, fight banks and landlords that would that would do that to our communities. That's going to be a big issue in coming months. What should the state be doing in terms of like should should they be like creating a fund's been talked about? Like what what if you were in state office? What what would you be pushing for? Um, I'd be pushing for an amnesty for rent because people shouldn't be expected. People who haven't been working, people who've been laid off, shouldn't be expected to to pay back rent. Um, we might just have to tell the banks to, to write off um, a whole bunch of losses. Um, you know, we need to come up with a way to bail out people instead of, um, you know, the, the people at the top, like what happened in, you know, following the last economic collapse. Because this is, it's not just um, the, the eviction foreclosures coming. This is going to be a, um, there's still massive unemployment as a result of COVID. There's um, about to be a retail apocalypse. There's going to be more unemployment coming. Um, like there's, there's going to need to be big um, bailouts for people and social programs that um, this country hasn't seen since like the Great Depression. Uh, and probably beyond that if we want to actually help people. Charlie Baker right now is uh, kind of chastising some schools for not opening, reopening. They're virtual right now. Um, certain cities and towns within like a green zone that don't have a lot of COVID-19, he suggested they reopen uh, for in-person learning like Amesbury, Massachusetts, for instance, is one of those towns. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that's a good idea or do you think that towns should be able to decide when they reopen the schools right now? Um, I don't have children myself. Um, my sister's raising my niece and nieces and nephews, and she's homeschooling them. Most people I know with kids aren't comfortable sending them into, into large crowds. Uh, this COVID is still a threat to people, and I think a lot of people have let their guard down. And um, a, lot of the, a lot of the push to send children back, I feel, is a, um, people want to boost the economy. It's, uh, it's another failure of society that we don't really have a childcare system for people. And, the school system kind of functions as a de facto daycare in some ways so that um, a lot of times, you know, parents can work and if the kids are home, the parents can't work. So um, there's economic pressure. So we need to be helping people so they don't feel like they have to push their kids into, you know, a school full of, you know, disease with bad ventilation. Um, so a lot of these buildings are in terrible shape from the 1950s. And, uh, you know, we need to um, really listen to uh, parents when they say they want to keep their kids safe. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, you answered a lot of questions tonight. Do you have 
you know, I know, I'm sure you have a, I know you have a Facebook. Uh, where are you on social media? Where can people find more information about your candidacy? Um, my Facebook page is, is um, most active. Um, I do have a website, uh, nickgiannoni.com. Um, it has uh, our program on it. Um, and uh, trying to get more active on Twitter. I just can't seem to handle the, 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 the platform. But uh, yeah, we're really trying to um, get out there and do some like I was saying at the beginning, uh, so some analog organizing. We've been doing a lot of uh, snail mail, getting our uh, our issues out to people, going through the voter list, and some you know more old-fashioned campaigning, uh, doing some standouts, and uh, you know just trying to be visible in public, which you know is a little more challenging in these times, but can still be done. I uh, wish you the best of luck. It's not easy running for office ever. And now it is very much more difficult. People obviously are aware of how, you know, how difficult it is to be canvassing, to be standing out, to be doing any type of uh, campaign right now. So I, I really uh, hope you do well. And I thank you for appearing on the show, answering our questions, and uh, most of all, discussing some good stuff, good issues, good uh, commentary. Really, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was uh, glad to have the conversation. And we're the Young Jerks. I believe we're going to have another show tomorrow uh, with Grant Smith on cannabis delivery in Massachusetts. So stick around uh, for that. Uh, subscribe, like, follow us if you haven't. But uh, I want to thank Nick Ginoni again for coming on. He's running for Massachusetts State Rep. He's with the Workers' Party. Uh, with the fourth, It's in the 4th Norfolk District. Uh, you can vote for him in November, very soon. Uh, again, I want to thank him for coming on the show tonight.